Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors, they beat the Charlotte Hornets 110-105 at Chase Center. They are now 17-18, 10th place in the Western Conference. Uh, six games out of the first spot and only two games out of the sixth spot, which would keep them out of the play-in. But again, of course, it's way too early to to pay attention to seeding. You just want to make sure that they're in range. And this was a good game for the Warriors in the sense that they needed to learn. <laughs> they needed to learn how to win a game like this. Not all of the guys, right? Of course, Clay, Draymond, they know this stuff. But guys like Jordan Poole, guys like Jonathan Kaminga, the two-way guys, and then, I mean, all the young dudes, Wiseman, Moody, whomever was out there on the court. And I got to start off with Jonathan Kaminga about a month ago, right? Like that Dallas game. If you go back into the uh, archives of this podcast, you'll see that I started talking about how things just started clicking with him. He wasn't thinking the game and he was just reacting. He wasn't scared. He wasn't worried about making the wrong play. He never looked confused anymore. (laughs) And he's just trying to make winning plays, right? He's not trying to put up numbers. He's not trying to launch five three-pointers in his time on the court. He's trying to help the team win. And when all this stuff started clicking for him, everything just opened up. Every action, every move he makes on the court is an attempt to try to help the team win instead of like, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go. So I'm just going to go do something. Or I got the ball and I'm wide open with 22 seconds on the shot clock and I'm just going to shoot it, you know? So this is just another sign that he's becoming more and more of a winning player. I won't be surprised if he ends up in a lot of Steve Kerr's closing game lineups like he did tonight, right? Because the closing lineup is always going to be when healthy, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins. And then that fifth spot is most likely going to be either Jordan Poole or Jonathan Kaminga, in my opinion, unless one of them is having a terrible game. You could also put Kavon Looney in the mix in that closing lineup at points, just when you need somebody who has that experience and that defensive uh, size in the middle and the rebounding and all that stuff. But in terms of like uh, an up and down athletic team that can score, defend, uh, rebound, all that stuff, Kamega could sneak in there. In a lot of ways, he could do some of the stuff that Andre Godala did, you know, maybe not as much on ball decision-making, but he'll get better with, with that as the season goes along. Like I said, he was doing a lot of that stuff in summer league and in the preseason, but then he realized he needed to back off some of that and then just run the offense, let the game come to him. And I mean, that's the thing with this Warriors scheme, right? It's about really, really letting the game come to you. And I mean, and he's doing it. I've talked about how he's such a strong guy and he's just a quick jumper in the fourth quarter when he just basically ripped the ball away from PJ Washington. Clay missed the three pointer, but then on the way back, I believe it was Lamella Ball missed a shot. And then Kamenga went up between Lamella Ball and uh, Plumley and just snagged the ball out of the air. The other two dudes 
Ball and Plumley, they look like they were kind of in slow motion because Kaminga got up there so quickly, you know? And then that play that really, really sealed it was Poole running some clock and then driving and then finding Jonathan Kaminga in the dunker spot. I mean, that was a thing of beauty. He timed it perfectly and Poole kind of gave a little no-look shovel pass. And again, there were a couple guys there. It was Ball and Plumley again. Ball went to try to steal the ball. And then Plumley tried to contest the dunk. But with someone like Kaminga, uh, you're not going to get that. You're either going to uh, get the dunk or he's going to get the dunk or he's going to get fouled or both. He didn't get fouled, but yeah, because he gets up there so quickly and he <laughs> he gets up so high that like you're not going to get the ball, right? He's not like reaching up, straining to get the ball over the rim where you can just like pop a ball out of his hands. He's like holding it like close to his head and just rising up and throwing it down. So, you know, you love to see it coming get 22 minutes, six for six from the field, two for three from the line, five boards, two assists, two steals, 14 points. And he played solid defense. You know, you love to see that because I've talked about how Kaminga definitely rises up to the challenge on both ends of the court. You know, if you don't have Gary Payton the second, then you can put a six seven six eight John Kaminga on a six seven Lamelo Ball. He's stronger than him. He can move quickly laterally, and he's athletic as hell. And you know, <laughs> so uh, love to see that Lamelo Ball only shot seven for twenty five, had twenty one points. Some of that is due to Kaminga bugging him, and sure. You might get beat, but it's about making it as hard as possible on talented offensive players to get to their spots, to do what they like to do on the court. So John Kaminga, uh, you know, love to see it. He really, really was the one who kind of stepped up towards the end of the game and gave the Warriors that extra oomph, that extra something to put them over the top because I've said this team is going to live and die with Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson while Steph and Wiggins are out. And you saw that tonight, right? Like Poole props to him. He was aggressive. He was putting pressure on the uh, Charlotte defense and 24 points only shot one for seven from three, but was five for six from the line, six assists. And it was constantly, constantly, keeping the Hornets defense honest. And then Clay Thompson, he started off hot. You know, he hit his first three shots, which were all threes. He ended the first quarter with four threes. Then he went cold. He ended up with 29 points, but he went cold, right? And like I said, you are going to live and die with these guys. And when they went cold, you kind of died with them for a little bit until they brought it back and, and closed it out. But props to Clay, because I've talked about how if he's not hitting his shot, he doesn't really do much else. But lately in the past week, he's been rebounding more. He had five boards and four assists in this one, plus 11, the highest plus minus on the night for any Warriors player. And he was also four for five from the line. So he got to line five times, which is a lot for that dude. And then Dante DiVincenzo, again, in the starting lineup, 0 for 4 from 3. But you definitely felt his presence on the court on both ends. Zero points, but he had nine boards and seven assists and a steal. 
And, you know, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. I, I would have loved if he had hit a shot or two, but just him and the way he can play both guard spots, the way he can, you know, he's, he's a solid backup starter. And again, not to knock Gary Payton the second, but if this was that team from last year, Gary Payton the second wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that, uh, that uh, Dante DiVincenzo does as a starter, as a playmaker, as a guy who can run the offense, right? Like Gary Payton the second was, was gifted as a crazy athletic dude, as an intense defender. But some of the stuff DiVincenzo does is just it, so much more on the offensive end, right? Again, not knocking GP2, but just for those folks you know, I guess this is mostly for those folks who over the summer were really, really up in arms about losing Gary Payton the second. And that was a big loss. But the Dante DiVincenzo sign, you know, they were like shrugging their shoulders at it. But like, I was like, yo, he's a better all around player. Again, you know, like younger and didn't have to go through the G League and all that other stuff. So love GP2, but very, very happy with DiVincenzo and how he's been evolving. I mean, this kind of stretch, right? Like when Steph went out, I talked about it before the road trip finished. It was like, this is going to be pretty ugly for a while. So what you want during this stretch when both Wiggins and Steph are out is sure. Yes, obviously to win games, but to see the young guys, the new guys grow and become more uh, involved in winning games and taking more ownership and being more of leaders on the team in that respect. And you can see that with, with Kamenga for sure. You can see that with Dante DiVincenzo. And I've talked about how those are, to me, the seven and eight guys in your rotation, even though you know Lamb and, and Ty Drome are mixed in there. Another guy is like James Wiseman, right? He had some really, really good moments. He had some, you know, iffy moments here and there, but it's about the long haul, the progress, and seeing him get more comfortable, get some chemistry. I mean, there was that one uh, drive by Kaminga where he dished it to Wiseman, and it reminded me how in the preseason, uh, <laughs> when those guys played together, I was like, oh, those guys can definitely play together. And it's good that Kaminga looks for him. I, for a second, I let myself imagine a future when those two are just like a dominant <laughs> front court combo of crazy athleticism and defensive slash offensive ability, you know, but don't want to get too far ahead of myself. You know, when they're on the court, sometimes it gets a little crowded in the paint, but, but, you know, this is all just a part of how it goes. I had talked about how in this game, you know, Wiseman was up for an opportunity. He had an opportunity to make up a tone for the Charlotte game in Charlotte at the beginning of that 0-5 road trip at the start of the season. And, you know, he had gotten so pushed around in that one, especially by Nick Richards, their backup center. I believe that dude is injured because Mark Williams, their rookie, who's pretty much the same size as James Wiseman, they got a lot of minutes against each other. And it was clear to me that Overall, Wiseman is more athletic, but he got pushed by Williams a few times. Uh, overall, though, I'm happy seeing Wiseman. He's more aware on defense and also on offense. 
right? I mean, he had that nice uh, lefty layup on the pick and roll that Clay called him out for. Wiseman was posting up and Clay waved to him to send him a screen and he just pick and rolled it. And when he slipped to the basket, Clay gave him a bounce pass and Wiseman just rose up from pretty far away and between two shorter Hornets players and just glided in soft off the glass. Uh, so I was like, dang, you know, that that's skill, right? <laughs> that is a skill from a big man that you don't see that often. So, yeah, Wiseman played 10 minutes, four for seven from the field, two boards, one assist, eight points, plus one. You know, it's not bad. That's well within the range of the eight to 12 to 15 minutes that eventually I would like to see him see as the season moves forward. And if he can keep progressing again, you know, he's stringing together some solid performances where he does make mistakes, but he's showing some of the things that he can do. And it's all about learning and repetition and understanding and being out there on the floor and, and gaining those minutes. And, you know, it's it's cool to see, at least for me, when I look at him on the bench, he looks like he's a part of the team. Of course, he's in uniform like everybody else, but there have been times, especially when he was benched earlier in the season, where he just kind of looked like he was off to the side, you know? But now he's part of the team. He's celebrating with the team. And that, to me, you know, if you're just looking for signs, uh, the eye test of observing someone and like their mood and everything, then this is a positive. Again, if you're a James Wiseman hater, then, hey, I'll just say to you, he looked good. Maybe a team would trade for him. I don't want that, but that's that's for you guys who just want Wiseman gone. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. Like, will James Wiseman actually be on this Warriors team by the end of the season? I hope so. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. The app is super easy to use. Just pop it open and do what you got to do, and you're good to go. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You know that play uh, where Poole dished it to Kaminga? I mean, I just had to flash back to that first G League game. I believe it was March of 2021, where the Santa Cruz Warriors with Jordan Poole and Nico Mannion and Jeremy Lin played against the G League Ignite against... Uh, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. And there was a play where Poole drove to the basket and Kaminga just swatted the hell out of him. It was like the biggest block I'd seen in a long time. He just took off with his athleticism. Just It was huge, right? If you haven't seen it, go look it up because it's crazy. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. And it's cool to me that they're now on the same team and now they're combining for, for plays like that. You know, 
I'd like to think that these, you know, the kids, the kids are all right. You know, there were stretches where, uh, Poole, Moody, Wiseman, Kaminga were on the court together. And obviously I love the vets, but it's just like an encouraging sign that, that they can be out there and, you know, produce positive results. And that's what you're looking for. The Charlotte Hornets are not good. They're nine and 25 now. And the Warriors, they should smack this team and they shouldn't have let the rope slip and let them in. But, but unlike the game at the beginning of the season where they were more lifeless, the Warriors were, they closed this one out. And that's a big step in the development of this team's overall mojo and in the development of the guys who were a big part of that. You know, not just the vets, but the pools, the Kamingas, and, you know, Dante DiVincenzo, you know, who's, of course, a little bit older, but he's still new to the team. So I hope that this can continue to get the Jazz on Wednesday at Chase Center back to back. So most likely, I'm guessing Clay, because uh, no one's ever said anything different. He's not going to play. But this is another chance for redemption, right? They they smoked that game just a couple of weeks ago where they had it locked up, but a series of end-of-game gaffes by Poole, Clay, etc. cetera, uh, coughed that one up. That's one I'm sure they would love to have. I'm guessing I haven't heard anybody being hurt in this one. So Clay is most likely the only one who's going to sit. And I would be surprised if the Warriors don't come out uh, very, very energetic for that one. Because when you're looking for the motivation that you get from the Celtics game or a Grizzlies game, this one, <laughs> you know, this one against the Jazz, because you had the altercation between uh, Kaminga and Jordan Clarkson, that that fiery exchange. And then you had this loss where you feel like you should have won. So if these guys are the competitors we know them to be, then it should be a, a good one. But fingers crossed, right? Because again, this is two wins in a row. <laughs> We've seen this team kind of show us something and then kind of fall back a little bit. But this is the stretch. Like I've said, this is the stretch. So an eight-game homestand, they are 2-0, and and the rest of them are definitely, definitely games they can go out and get. I mean, again, rehashing it, it's Utah, and then Portland, and then Atlanta, Detroit, Orlando, and then Phoenix. That Phoenix game, if my math is correct, at the end of this road trip on January 10th, is the 41st game of the season. It is the exact halfway mark of the season. And so it'll tell us a lot by the end of this homestand, you know, not just like how they look, but what their record is at 41 games. So, you know, I feel good. I feel good. You know, a lot of the things that we've seen so far, it's like, you know, the young guys are starting to gain a little bit more confidence. At least I'm getting a little bit more confident in them. And they look like they can actually really, really, really give you minutes. Like, uh, I don't want to be short on Moses Moody. He was out there 13 minutes, two for five from the field, four points, three boards. I mean, he was solid, you know, he was solid. So 
these things, you know, you can see the bench starting to take shape and I don't want to jump ahead, but it's like, okay, you know, we jumped ahead maybe <laughs> with the young guys at the beginning of the season, but that was based on, you know, summer league, what we saw from Kamenga and Moody in the playoffs last season and some of the preseason stuff and just having Wiseman healthy. But now it's like Kaminka, check that box. Wiseman, okay. You know, he's not a huge liability out there. And that, again, may not be much to ask for, much to say for a number two pick. But, you know, it's a start. It's a huge start because we didn't know what we were getting. You know, we had hoped at the beginning of the season and we had high expectations, but perhaps those were a little unfair. It happens, right? We didn't have much material to work with. I'm hoping for the best. I'm optimistic about the guy. And then Moses Moody, who uh, has looked pretty decent over the past couple of games. And you know that he's still always going to be ready to go. And I just got to say again, Ty Jerome, Anthony Lamb didn't shoot as well. Lamb was only one for seven and Ty Jerome was only two for nine. But you know, literally those two dudes are pretty much playing the Damian Lee and JTA roles. Guys who are solid, don't make too many mistakes, don't really wow you with anything. And if they're hitting shots, it's a bonus. You know what I mean? So again, credit to those guys for being ready and for trying to take uh, advantage of their opportunities and being ready for the moment. So anyway, quick turnaround, Utah game on Wednesday. Good win. And we'll go from there. All right. That is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review, saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.